Listen carefully to this most amazing prayer. We'll pray it. Lord, we continually pray that you would fill us with the full knowledge of your will, with all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit can bring to us, so that we might live lives worthy of the Lord and please you in everything that we do. We're bearing fruit in every good work, growing in our knowledge of who you are, being strengthened with all power according to the might of your glory, so that we would have great endurance, that we would have patience with other people, and giving joyful thanks to the Father because you qualified us to share in the inheritance of the holy people of the kingdom of light. For Jesus rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and you've brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom you love, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. And all God's people said, amen. Please have a seat. <laughs> That's a prayer. That's how you pray. We, we, we need to learn this prayer. This is, um, I mean, I guess outside of the Lord's Prayer, this is uh, number two. This is how we should pray. We're going we're gonna to learn this prayer today, and we're going to have an assignment attached to this. It's out of the book of Colossians. I want to show you a movie clip uh, right now, though, because I want you to see what gratitude overflowing looks like. It's, it's about someone in, that was uh, held hostage, and now he's been set free. He was rescued and now has found safety. He was in a dominion of darkness and evil, and now he's in a place of light. Okay? That's what to look for. It's a changed life because of what other people had done for him. Okay, well, let's watch this. Three tangos down. Captain Phillips is safe and in route Bainbridge. Over. Right here. Go to this guy right here. I'm a peek out, Nick. Just sit down. Are you okay? Are you okay? Careful, sir. Welcome aboard. These guys are going to take you straight to medical and get you checked out. I want you to look at me and I want you to breathe. Do you understand, yeah, Captain? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's about a four centimeter gap. A little laceration there on the left temple. Okay. Very good. All right. You're doing great, okay? Did all this blood come from your eyebrow and your head? What? Did all the blood come from your eyebrow right here and on your head? Well, not, all not, of this? No, not all of it. Okay. That's not mine. Okay. All right. All right. Look at me. Okay. We're going to lay you down, okay? okay? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I want you to lay down nice and gently. Nice and gently, okay? Uh, You're okay, I got you. There you go. Uh, Very good. Captain, you're safe now, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. You're okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Does my family know? Your family knows you're safe, and you will be able to call them as soon as you are taken care of. Sir, I need you to breathe, okay? You are safe and you are fine. Uh, it's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. That's what it looks like. Thank you. Thank you. You're safe. Thank you. Thank you. That's what. Sometimes when you've been rescued, you can't even breathe. 
Captain Phillips is a modern-day Lazarus. He was dead, and then he was raised again. I mean, I, there, how could you ever recover from that? Brian uh, Regan is a comedian, and he takes a little section of his uh, stand-up routine. He talks about Captain Phillips here. He says, <laughs> everything would go back to that moment. You know, in 20 years from now, he says, uh, hey, uh, Captain Phillips, you want to play some ping pong? No. But once I was on a boat and I was a hostage, <laughs> it's like every, everything is going to come to that conversation because his life is, has forever been altered. By, by gratitude now is now his pervasive emotion that's running through him. So I want you to hold on to those pictures of tears running down the side of his face because he was rescued from darkness, because he was ransomed as a hostage. Think about that. We're looking at the book of Colossians together. We're starting today, and it's a, a dense book. It's a profound book. It's towards the end of your Bible. Uh, Paul wrote it to uh, a group of people that were dealing with some of the things that you and I might be dealing with. This book gives a lot of trouble to religious people and other religions be, because of the simple friend, sentence that Jesus says while he's on the cross, it is finished. And that's what Colossians is about that there is nothing you can do to improve your relationship with God. It's called the sufficiency of the cross or the crucifixion. It, and, and, and people think that it's too simplistic to think that Jesus' death and resurrection could do all that it promises to do. And so we'll go after and, and criticize and challenge the deity of Christ to see if, if excuse me, if that death would count for all, or the sufficiency of the crucifixion itself. Could that really pay the cost of debt? Don't we have to do something? Well, one speaker, I like this, called Colossians the most arrogant book in the Bible because it puffs its chest out and says, no, 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 that Christ alone and what he did is all that needs to be done to have a right relationship with God and to live a life that's godly here. Colossians. Now, this week, we're going to look at the prayer that I prayed when we started. It's Paul's prayer for the Colossians, and this prayer is dense. It's thick. It's too much, too fast. I apologize. I'd love to spend maybe two hours on this, but we only have about 28 minutes left. And it's amazing. As a matter of fact, we kind of will spend more time on it because the rest of the book of Colossians is about this prayer. It is so filled with meaning that we won't understand it until we get to the last chapter, the fullness of the application of this. Okay, so and let me tell you ahead of time how we're going to apply today so that you'll maybe have a listening ear for, what we'll, for when we're trying to learn this prayer. What we're going to do is we're going to try to pray. Everyone in our church is going to try to pray this prayer for Lent. Okay, Lent, Mike said, right, it's 40 days before Easter or so leading up to Easter, and we got a late start. So we'll start this Sunday and pray a version of this prayer every day for ourselves, for loved ones, for grace, for our church going into Easter. Maybe, hopefully, we'll be able to memorize a version of that. I'll talk to you more about that in just a few minutes. But I want you to look carefully at this prayer now because I want you to see it as a, as a manual. It's a, it's a manual of how to live in the kingdom of God. It's a, it's a blueprint on how to serve your king, King Jesus the Christ. That's what this is about. And it's going to answer those questions, how do you serve your king, uh, in two ways. It's going to say, how do you live in the kingdom? One, how do you become a member of the kingdom? 
And then the second part, it's going to talk about how do you grow in the kingdom? How do you become a member of the kingdom and then how to grow in the kingdom? Now, uh, we'll start with how to enter uh, his kingdom in 12 through 14 for a number of reasons, because you have to get in the game, but also because, oddly enough, because of the grammar in it. Everything else is in the present tense, and this section, 12 through 14, is, we don't talk much about grammar, don't throw around Greek words too much, but today we will, because grammar makes all the difference between heaven and hell. In this passage, it does. In these, in these sentences, 12 through 14, they're talking about entering into the kingdom. Know this, these words will be in the aorist tense. We don't have an aorist tense in English, but what, what it means is it's a past and completed process. It's a past event that he's referring to, and it's done. Okay? That's, what, that's how Eris will be. And note this, grammar, it's passive. Remember passive and active? Active is when I throw the ball to you. Passive is when I, when I receive the ball. And so this is something that's already happened to us. We don't do this. This has been done to us or for us. And what has been done? He qualified us, three things. He qualified us, he rescued us, and then he brought us into his kingdom. All these things. Past tense, he's looking back. This is how you get into this new kingdom. Watch this. Now that you know that, 12 through 14. And giving joyful thanks, you know, Captain Phillips, giving joyful thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light that he has rescued you or rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Three things that we're supposed to live overflowing with joy as a result of. The first one is he qualified us to share in the inheritance and he giving joyful thanks to the father for he has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. He qualified us in the past. Passively, we received that. We couldn't qualify ourselves, and so he had to do it for us. People will say, and this might be rattling around in your head, how could anyone be sure they will spend eternity with God? How could anyone be sure or certain of their worthiness? You think that? Know someone who does? Well, Paul comes in and says, well, yeah, if you're counting on yourself to get that worthiness done, then you can't be sure. But Paul comes in and says, using grammar and saying, you were qualified to inherit that in the past, and it was given to you to share that inheritance. It's already been done for you. The second thing he says to be overwhelming with joy is because you're rescued. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. In the Bible, when it talks about you before you've come into Christ, it says you are an ethical and, I guess, religious, right, or spiritual or theological darkness. You are in enemy territory, and you're part of the enemy. And he says you've been rescued from that. And how does that happen? The third thing we have joyful thanks for, he brought us into his kingdom. He brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. How did he get us into this kingdom? It says redemption. Now, the, the word redemption actually could be translated, and sometimes it is, as ransom. So picture it that way. There, you know what a ransom is, right? When, you, when a person is, say, a prisoner of war or a slave or a hostage, 
there's a negotiation and you have to exchange money or something. For, and you, I'm sure you've seen movies where some FBI guy will come in and says, you can take me as the ransom for the hostage. Let me exchange that. And that's what's happening here. That's how he takes us out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom that his son loves, that he's loved, the, the kingdom that he loves, that his son is in. And he does that because, through this exchange. He's taking our place. That's the whole point of the crucifixion. We, he endured what we should have so that we might inherit what we don't deserve, but we inherit it. And he does that through this, this ransom payment. You could, if you've seen or read Chronicles of Narnia, right? Aslan says, I will, I will take, I will pay the price for that. You can exchange me for your hostage. So in this section right here, 12 through 14, if you can envision this because of the multiple use of the word kingdom, all right, picture this, this is what's happening. Is, is this has been done for us in the past. It's been done to us. Is this great and majestic king goes into the dominion of darkness, right? And, and in that context pulls us out of that, rescues us, ransoms us, and then qualifies us to be in his kingdom of light. I mean, it's all over the Lord of the Rings. If you've, right, the orcs are in darkness and evil, and then the good guys are in palaces of white with the, the sky, uh, the sunny sky, that sort of thing. That's what he's trying to get us to see here is what Jesus Christ has done, and we should be overflowing with gratitude. Here's the first application today. Have you done that? Have you made the switch from... Uh, Present, you know, uh, active, you doing, qualifying, you doing enough so that God would love you? Or are you seeing the power of what he's talking about here where you're going, referring back to what Jesus has already done? Because, listen, friends, the, the story of the prodigal son, we are, we, each and every one of us is a prodigal child. And, it's, and all that we have has been done for us or to us in time and passively. And so we show up in rags and nothing with nothing else but maybe guilt and shame. And then he comes in. He says, I will qualify you. If you know the story, here's the ring. And now you're part of the family. Right? You have the authority of the family now, the family ring. And then he says, I, you know, I will rescue you. And he comes in. He, he puts on the coat that belongs to the father and says, you have safety now. You're safe. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Right? And then he, he brought us out of the the dominion or the domain of darkness into this palace of, of light puts his shoes on your feet and says your debt was paid. These are all passive events. It was done for you. Have you ever made a decision? Have you ever done this where you stopped working so hard and, and just let Jesus do it for you? We're going to sing later. I want you to sing along. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. If you've never made a decision, a place and time, you should do that today. It's, it's sophisticated. You might have questions. The rest of the book's going to explain that. But if today's the day, let's end our prayer time with that. Make, become part of the kingdom of God by receiving the penalty uh, that Jesus endured. The, the crucifixion was your fault. The resurrection was proof that it was paid. It is sufficient to qualify you to inherit the kingdom of God. All right, that's, what, that's the first application. Now, the, the second thing, remember we're talking about how to get into the kingdom of God, and the second part was growing in his kingdom, growing in his kingdom. You're part of a new kingdom, you got a new king. You got a new kingdom, you got a new 
king. So you're going to have to learn how to follow him. And it's kind of strange again, but grammar is key here. Because now we're switching to the present tense because everything is going to be continual. Because becoming a Christian is an act. Becoming a, a, a follower of Jesus Christ is progressively getting deeper and better and richer. Right? That's why it's going to be in the present tense. And here's how he's going to answer the question. How do you grow in the kingdom of God? How do you learn how to serve your king uh, with more depth and consistency? He's going to say this, two things. Think right so that you will do right. That's how you grow. Think right so that you do right. Look what he says in verse 9. Think right. Think right. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. A couple words there I, I emphasize would be that he would fill and knowledge. We'll start with knowledge. Knowledge is a strange word in this passage because knowledge in Greek is gnosis. This is a compound word. It's epinosis. Gnosis means knowledge. Epi means turbocharge. So it's, that's, that's an English translation. It means turbo knowledge. It's only used in the Bible, epinosis. And what he's saying is the fullness of the, of the mind of the king. I want you to have the fullness of the mind of the king. And then he says, I want you, I want, I want you to be filled with the fullness of the mind of the king. And the idea is the way you think, is supposed, this new think, think right, is supposed to be infecting and per, uh, I don't know, uh, pervading the, the, your thoughts. It governs your emotions. It, it, it alters your plans. It, often, it alters your purpose. It's, a, it, it's, it's this fundamental truth that God's will, that phrase, God's will is God's values. He defines what is right and real and true, and you change your values to his. If, if God says this has this much value and you disagree, you're wrong. <laughs> okay? You're wrong. And so when you pray for the fullness, that you be filled with the fullness of the knowledge of his will, it means, yeah, I want to be filled with the knowledge of this king, and I want to make sure that, I, that, it, that it infects everything that I view. It's like a worldview. So when you get up in the morning, this isn't about doing, it's about thinking, right? We'll do doing in a minute. But it's when you get up in the morning and you look at your mate, and you, doesn't matter how, what you value her or him, how does God value them? That's the value you're supposed to have. The way you treat your children is based on how God looks at children. The way you not respect, but not show respect your boss, but respect your boss. Not based on you or circumstances, but what, is, what does the king say about authority? Right. So uh, even, even uh, economic wealth, right? How important is it to you? Doesn't matter. No one cares. The king says this, change your view to the king's view. It is, uh, we were, we were, Plato's cave, we were in a domain of darkness where we could not see, and then he brings us to the kingdom of light where his son that he loves is ruling, and we can't see. And so he's given us glasses. That's the will of God that they get better and better if we continue to grow in it so we can see things the way he values them. We see the way God looks at the world. That's the point. You want to change the way you live for the king? 
You want to pray in a way for a friend or a church that they would change? You pray this. You pray that they would change the way they think. Change the way they think. Right, think right so that, so that you. Look what it says. Verse 9, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you. The knowledge of his will is cause with an effect. The knowledge is not an end. It is a means. Paul's saying, look, you've got to change the way you think so that you change the way you, what you do. Okay? Forget Paul. God says it. God says it to Joshua. He's going into the promised land. He's taking over where Moses left off. And here's what he says. He says, listen, let this book that I'm giving you, the law, never leave your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful so that you will be careful to do everything in it. Then you'll have prosperity. Then you'll have success. So that you. If you're in a Bible study and they're not applying it, if you're in a Bible study and they don't say, so that you, you're not in a Bible study. You're in a class where it's a Bible as literature or Bible as history because knowledge is for a purpose of life transformation. Two things you have to do to change the way you live for the king. Think right so that you do right. Think right so that you do right. Look at verse 10. So that you live a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in every way. So that you live a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in every way. You have these values, this worldview, and now it's spilling over into your conduct. And so now it actually is affecting because your values have changed. It affects the way you uh, treat your children. It affects the way you go into your job, the way you treat other people at work, your boss or coworkers, right? It, 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 it affects what you do with income. It affects the way you treat your enemies because of the values that the king says about enemies. It's how you treat your mom. How do you, how you uh, deal with your mother-in-law? I mean, everything, it gets in there. How you dress, how you speak, all these things. Think right so that you do right. And he says, so that you, right, would live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in everything that you do. What does that look like? What does it look like to please him in everything that you do? How does it look to live a life worthy of the Lord? He's going to give us four attributes of that. Three of them are packed in these two sentences here. So we'll look at those first, okay? There's four attributes of a life pleasing to the Lord. Here they go. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory so that you may have great endurance and patience. Let's cut those up a little bit real quick. Some are pretty obvious. Fruit of every good work, right? Fruitful in every good work. He's using the word fruit because in the Bible it means uh, uh, evidence of something happening from the inside out. Present tense again. It's continually bearing fruit. It means more next year than this year. And it's, come, it's a natural process of your growth. The second thing he says is by growing in your knowledge of God. Present tense again. 
continuation of your growing in your understanding of who God is. This kind of helps, the next one helps us put some of these things together. Look at this third one, it's kind of complicated. Strengthening, strengthen with all power, okay, according to the might of his glory. What does that mean? The might of his glory. That's the source of the power, the might of his glory. Glory literally means brilliance. Think, you know, a light that you can't even stare at, right? It's, that's what glory means literally. When it's talking about the, the might of the glory of God, he's talking about the revealed splendor of God. And the revealed splendor of God is causing us to have power to do things. That we grow in our power, and the power source is this radiant glory of God. Um, <laughs> this is kind of weird. I think I, I think I think I have my superheroes right. Uh, doesn't Superman run off the power of the sun? Like when he gets weak, doesn't he have to go up and get better? Let's just pretend he does. Okay. Okay. Let's just okay. Let's just do that. Okay. So you 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 in your growing in your knowledge of God. Right, and you're bearing a fruit, you're, you're trying to get closer, almost like a moth to the sun, right, or a light. You're trying to get closer and closer to understanding who he is. And when that happens, you're going to see more of the splendor of his glory. That splendor of his glory, you're awestruck by who he is and what he's promised us. That is the power that is given to us to do all that we need. In other words, we have all the power that we need. We just need to understand that. Let me put it another way. We don't, we're, we're not trying to get more God into our life. We're trying to give more of our life to God. It is about yielding to what's already there. It's about pursuing the holiness and the greatness of God. And that, again, it's present tense. A little bit more every time. And, and when we, as we get closer to uh, the radiation, right, of the holiness and the, and the, the power or the might of his glory... What happens is we have power, and it says, for um, endurance and circumstances. We're not quitters anymore. And patience with people. Pa the word patience there means long-suffering. And that, the power of that glory gives us the ability to be with people. I love that word, and suffer long. It means I'm not going to be vindictive. I'm not going to do tit for tat. I'm, not gonna, I'm just like, I'm going to let this go because it's, it, I don't care. Because I'm, I'm radiated by the power of the glory of God. Okay, let's stop for a second. There's so many lists in this. Excuse me. Okay, let's stop. First, okay, getting into the kingdom of God is about grace. It's eras, tense, past, and it's passive. Now we're trying to figure out how do we live. We think right so that we do right. And what does that do right look like? What does it look like? What is, what is the being, you know, uh, living in a life worthy of the Lord? It, it means uh, continued fruit. It means growing in knowledge. And this last thing, strengthened by his glory. Those were the three. There's one more. And he saved the best for last. And this is absolutely, and this is a grammatical style. I think he did this on purpose. It, it, it is uh, the crowning virtue here. It is to live with gratitude. That's what it looks like when you're following the kin, king. You live with gratitude. Giving joyful thanks to the Father. Now, that's where we started, so I won't spend much time there. Giving thanks to the Father. Joyful thanks to the Father. Giving joyful thanks to the Father. Why? Because he qualified us to inherit the kingdom of God. Right? He rescued us from the domain of darkness. He brought us out into his kingdom of light where his son is enjoyed. Remember that? 
It's this overflowing sense of gratitude. The, the, the most prevalent attribute for a follower of the King Jesus is joy, gratitude, thankfulness. If you, were to, if you, if you had the soul of a person surrendered to the Lord and you, and you made juice out of it, it would be sweet with thanksgiving. If you tapped into the bone marrow of one of these saints, they'd be so thankful. Captain Phillips, tears going down his eyes, right down his cheeks. Thank you. Thank you. You're safe. (laughs) Thank you. Everything, everything would change, right? In Captain Phillips' life, modern day Lazarus, in a person that's part of this new kingdom, if you know how bad it was, then you'll have this overflowing gratitude because of the, the, the power of the might of the glory. You get the power from the might of the glory. This would, how do you think Captain Phillips could possibly treat his wife after this event? I mean, there's so, most arguments, most arguments in marriages are so petty. They're just, they're, they're absolutely ridiculous. And you don't think that because you haven't been, you know, a hostage. And so I, w- I wonder if sometimes, like, again, Captain Phillips is in the middle of something, you know, one of these things, oh, gosh, here we go again, in one of these circular arguments, and he just goes, wait a minute, wait, you know what? Once I was on a boat, <laughs> you know, and I was a hostage, and so I don't, I don't remember what we're talking about, honey, but I don't, why don't we just, like, enjoy each other? Instead, you, you think Captain Phillips, when, his, when he sees his children, no matter how tired it is, when he pulls in that driveway, you think he's like, when's it my time to get a break? Or do you think he looks into their eyes and says, I think, I, I think I'm watching you grow. I can see you grow. He stares into those souls and is drinking up every bit of it. Think he values his coworkers differently? Yeah. You think he's generous with his possessions? Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, I guarantee when he was sitting on that stupid dinghy and he had three evil people pointing a gun at him, he wasn't thinking about the kind of car he had in his garage back home and whether he should let a neighbor borrow it. He has, he has to have a life of gratitude. Any other life wouldn't make sense. He's Lazarus. We're Lazarus. You and I, we are all Lazarus. So how do you pray for yourself, for a loved one, for a church to change? Think right so that you do right. That's how growth happens. Once you're in the kingdom, that's how you grow, to be a better follower of the king. Now, listen, we, this is such a complicated passage. It is layered, and it's a a series of run-on sentences. I'll give you that. So I I don't want us to miss the forest through the trees in this because the trees are thick. But here's the forest. You want to know the secret to living in the kingdom? You want to know the secret to growing in the kingdom? Because it's the same secret of having an an outstanding marriage. Do you want to know the secret to a great marriage? Sharpen your pencil. Get your pen out. Let's go. Write this down. Love. It's, there's nothing, there's no, there's nothing that can motivate a person more than love. And, and so the reason marriages are in trouble is because 
well, they're loving sometimes the wrong thing. And so here's the, here's the key to a good marriage, because it'll show up in, this, in the context of our king. You have to love you more than you. I know that sounds complicated because I didn't say it in Texan. You have to love y'all more than you love you. You have to love the marriage more than your stupid ego. You have to serve us and not the id. Do you see? You're not the most important thing. And when you're overflowing with gratitude, see, then, then things change. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. You have to love the king more than you love you. You have to love his kingdom. You want to serve his kingdom more than you want to serve your silly ego. Let's go back to the marriage. Watch this. Let me show you how this works out. Uh, I think Tim Keller uh, told this great story. So you have a, a couple. I'll, I'll just use me. It'll be easier and faster to follow. When your mate says, so Melinda says, hey, honey, could you, if you don't mind, it's just one of those, I'd love to just stay in bed. I'm going to stay in my jammies. Could you bring me breakfast in bed? Okay, there's the story, right? Now, if there's not love, then here's what's happening. For me to serve her, it's servitude. See, it, what's going to happen is I'm going ha- to have to, it's going to cost me my pleasure to bring her pleasure because I've got stuff to do. I've got a list. I start every day with a list. I've got a list, and breakfast and bed isn't on that list. And now for... <laughs> For her to be happy, it's going to cost me my personal happiness, right? But what if I have overflowing gratitude and I have love for her? What if I love y'all more than I love you? Then there's no cost because it makes me happy to make her happy. It gives me pleasure to give her pleasure. When you end, what Paul is saying here, and, he's, and again, we start with this heiress, past tense, when, you're in the, in the, when you enter the kingdom of God, right, you have been qualified in the past, passive, it happened to you. You, you, were, you were rescued. A ransom was paid so that you could get out of a domain of darkness into a kingdom of light in which Jesus dwells and the Father loves, and then, and, then, and then you just love. You just love him. And then you, you live a life worthy of the Lord, right? Why? Because, it's, because to make him happy makes you happy. So you have the full knowledge of the will of God in your head, and you're realizing this would make God happy, and so I will make God happy. Wait, that makes me happy. God's pleasure is my pleasure. John puts it this way. It's kind of a, he just says, um, uh, he says something like, I'm sorry, I, didn't, I, I just didn't memory. I didn't look it up. Uh, do all the commandments, but they, they should not be burdensome to you. Be obedient in all things, but it should not be a burden to you. Why? Because because you love the king more than you love you. You love the kingdom more than you, you serve the ego. <laughs> and listen, that, friends, is the gospel. That's what the gospel is. And, and that's what this prayer is about. It's a great prayer. This is an awesome prayer. I hope you maybe understand it a little bit more. Here's what we're going to do with this prayer. Here's how we're going to apply it, okay? I mentioned before, let's pray this prayer for Lent. 
Let's pray. You know, I'll give you permission to not give up meat if that's a thing, okay? I mean, we're Protestants, for goodness sake. Come on. All right. So, uh, out of the bondage, right? No, no, I don't, don't misunderstand. I, um, let's, let's do this. I want us all to pray every day this prayer. We might have it memorized all the way to Easter, past the end of Lent, but all the way to Easter. I want, us, I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for a loved one. I want you to pray for your church grace. I want you to customize the prayer. Write it down on a sheet of paper, and you, and you, you make it personal. You say, uh, Lord, I am continually praying for my son Ryan, that you would fill him with the knowledge of your will, the full knowledge of your will through all wisdom. You see how that works? I want to, Lord, I, I want, I'm praying for grace, continually praying for grace, that she would understand the full knowledge of your will. That's what you do. Customize that. Write it down on a sheet of paper. Make it your own. That's application one. All the way to Easter. Two, this is for the advanced. Write a letter to a lover, a loved one, with this prayer customized on it. Why don't you go wreck some guy's life and, and write it out and say, here's how I'm praying for you. Watch. Watch them get just bowled over by the depth and the profundity of his prayer. Write a letter. Third, we're going to pray it every day, ourselves, a loved one, the church. Maybe write a letter to someone, varsity players only. Third, let's join the journey, friends. Let's join the journey. The rest of this book is trying to help us understand what this prayer means. It's that thick, okay? So I'm just asking you to let's get into Colossians. Let's try to understand the depth of this most arrogant book in the New Testament so that we might know our king, so that we might love our king, Think the, thing, the king's thoughts and do the will of the king. Does that sound like a good plan? Let's do that. Let me pray. I'm going to pray for those of you that this is the day. This is the trigger switch day. And then we'll pray. We'll pray Paul's prayer after that. Lord Jesus, I, I lift up, uh, I, I, I pray the prayer of these uh, people that their whole lives have been built on trying to qualify for the inheritance that's been given to them by you. Just like we sang, stop fighting the fight that's already been won. I'd ask that there'd be some people here today that could sing this song, that their hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Lord, I'd ask that they put a stake down in the ground on this Sunday in March 2017 where they transferred responsibility of who's going to get them into heaven. And they re realized that there is sufficiency, adequacy, more than enough to pay the ransom when Jesus went to the cross on their behalf. And he rose again to prove it happened. So I give you that, Lord, for those people. This day would be a life-changing day because they believed in the past tense, in the passive mood, in what you've done to them and for them. For the rest of us, Lord, I continually pray that you would fill us with, the, with your epi knowledge of your will. Through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that we may live a life worthy of the Lord. And, you would, and we would please you in every way. We'd be bearing fruit in every good work. We'd be growing in our knowledge to you. We'd be strengthened by the power, by the radiation of your great glory, so that we might have endurance and circumstances and patience with other people. But mostly, Lord, I pray that we would give joyful thanks to you because you qualified us to share in the inheritance of the holy people in the kingdom of light. You rescued us. 
from the dominion of darkness. You paid that ransom to get us into the kingdom of the son that you love. In him, we have redemption. In him, and him alone, we have forgiveness of sins. And all God's people said, it's a good prayer. It's a good prayer.